When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer, your friend and mine, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? Connie, how are we doing, my friend? How are we doing? Early December 2022, the year is coming to an end. It's one of those years that a lot of people are like, man, I want this year to get over with. I'm not so sure old Double J is ready for this year to get over, but uh, doing good, man. Little little uh, crazy football weekend. Titans got their arse uh, stomped on. Um, Tennessee should be in the finals. Uh, should be. Oh, in the- Conrad, let me finish. Don't don't jump on it. Look, that South Carolina loss is getting more and more bitter. Yes. And more bitter. Oh my gosh. Anyhow, for you folks over the pond or in Australia, uh, I, uh, I get emails often from, from Australia about listeners down there, Conrad, they could care less about this college football talk, but, uh, I can assure you this college football is such a unique game because every weekend it's yes. Lasso up TCU down USC down. Uh, Clemson came back and looked all right. And, um, do you think if Alabama played TCU 10 times in a row, come on, how man. many times would TCU win? Let's go. That's come on, man. You know, the answer to that. Everybody listening to this knows the answer to that. Well, no, I want to, what would you, what, you know, if you were a betting man, I'd bet they'd win three times. Oh, you think TCU could beat Alabama three times? Yeah, sure. Alabama would beat them, you know, seven. God. I can't, I can't say that. I mean, I know you think TCU would win even less, but sure. But yeah, but here's For the thing. Sure. I would have never guessed that Tennessee was going to beat us this year. I would have never guessed that LSU was going to beat us this year. In the end, I'm thrilled that TCU gets their opportunity to be in the playoffs because they're going to get dog walked. And then we won't have to talk about this ever again. Uh, we can get this team. Well, what if a major didn't? Uh, okay. Well, we're going to see. We're going to see. Now, here's the other thing I'd tell you. I think K state's going to beat Alabama in the bowl game. I'm going to call that now. Cause if I'm, if I'm Bryce young, if I'm Will Anderson and I say to myself, self, self, <laughs> if I can just not get hurt, I'm going to make 
two comma money, big time, two comma money, or I can go play at 11 AM on new year's Eve against Kansas state. Nah. So I think you'll see, I mean, we've already had a bunch of kids jump in the transfer portal. So, um, it'll look like, oh, they got it right. Cause Alabama lost the ball game, but here's a spoiler TCU lose by loses by a lot. And, uh, my prediction, and I don't think this is all that bold. It's going to be Georgia and Michigan. Like you and I said a few weeks ago, mm. Georgia and Michigan in the national championship. It'll be fun. I can't wait to watch a national championship where I don't have a vested interest where I'm just hoping for a good game and it doesn't really matter. Uh, so that'll be fun, but I, I do want to say it ain't over for your Tennessee Titans. They're still uh, leading their division. They're still going to make the playoffs. I don't know that they necessarily look like they're Super Bowl contenders, but they're in the playoffs. Look, and and the the Cincinnati bubble will burst. We played KC tight. I like it. It's when you it's hard to beat a team twice in the NFL in a season. It just it just is. Titans, uh, if we get healthy, we can come back. Cincinnati's good. Uh, Abyss is delusional in his thoughts. Burrow always. We won't bury him any more than he's already buried himself yes. in, in in football uh, nonsense talk. But I like the Titans' chances. But uh, let me go back to something real quick. Conrad, I almost text you during the Georgia game on Saturday afternoon. I know, we're, but I almost text you like, "How's it going, pal?" Into this, like, d- d- do you know now how we feel to let yes. you, you go? It, it was. It was so non-competitive. Yes. Alabama has done that a couple of years. Yes. Where you just go, get this SEC championship over. Georgia walked the dog. It was over in the first quarter. Matter of fact, I went on my Saturday afternoon walk, uh, I think at halftime. It was boring. It it was boring and it wasn't fun, but uh, it will be fun to see TCU get dominated in the playoff. Uh, but here's the thing, like realistically, I gotta be honest. I'm not trying to be a a sour grapes, Alabama fan. Even if Alabama would have been in, we would have lost to Georgia. It's like, I told my dad, like, let's say maybe Tennessee beats us, but LSU does not. And and Alabama winds up in the sec championship game. I still think Georgia would have beat Alabama. Well, yeah, I, 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 I agree. So here, here's what all, uh, you know, Irish Pat Kenny, he's a Notre Dame fan. We, we've got multiple fans outside the SEC. Yes. And they just hate us. Collectively, we're going to come together here. I, I, what Do you do you remember the score of uh, Michigan-Georgia last year? I heard that this morning at the gym. It, it was wild. It, it was, was a lopsided affair. Yes. So we could see that again. I don't think that we'll necessarily see that again. I mean, I hear you. Uh, it was 34-11. I don't think it'll be that lopsided, but I do think that Georgia's the best team in football. Congrats to all everybody involved. Um, I, I think Daddy is probably really excited. Big Papa Pump. Oh yeah, for good. sure. Oh, he, he's rolling. If if this was uh, if if football was booked like wrestling, mm. the playoffs would have been Alabama versus Georgia, Ohio State versus Michigan. That's not what we're going to get, but that could have been fun. Hey, jump back into Australia. I was talking about those emails. I'm pretty pumped about oh, down under in 2023. So, uh, how about that? Big announcement last week. Looks like Australia is, uh, he's gonna, the end of last week's my world. So, gonna get a star cast in 2023. And 
I'm actually going to be uh, in your neck of the woods for a big meeting this Thursday and another really big meeting next Monday. And it may or may not have something to do with mm-hmm. Australia, but Hey, before we talk about our topic today, which is a good one, it's turning point 2007. And you might be thinking, Hey, uh, what happened there? Oh, this boy. is that Scott Hall, Samoa Joe. There's a lot going on here. Before we get into it, though, I do want to ask you this. Backstage, a little dust up backstage, what we're going to talk about. We uh, we all know that you got a new gig. Mm-hmm. We all know that you have a what you like to call a, a day job. <laughs> and we see one of your day jobs is tagging with Jay Lethal and hitting folks over the head with guitars. But there is a, a business component of that. And I know we don't really talk about current stuff, but I think everybody listening to this wants to know, Jeff. How's it going at the day job? Oh, Conrad. Hmm. Well, I said self. No. <laughs> um, because yes, it's it's a uh, look. It's I keep things confidential. I, um, you know, it is. It it is my employer employee relationship. So Conrad, I, I, let me, okay. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you a little story here that, because this is something that, uh, I think you will enjoy this conversation. Uh, as we're recording this, this is Monday, uh, yes. the, uh, the fifth. So on the fourth, uh, yesterday when I went to the gym, I kind of use Sundays for cardio day and core day and all that kind of stuff. So I got going and I had been exchanging calls with a, uh, a broker of promoters, which means he's got contacts of promoters literally all over the world, but certainly all over North America. And I thought it was going to be about a 15 or 20 minute call just to kind of reconnect. We've worked together off and on for Jesus now, 20 plus years. Yeah. Uh, no 25. Anyway, long time. Uh, we've kind of grown up together in, in the industry. He's uh, Nashville based, uh, like myself and he deals in all genres of music, rock, pop, country. I mean, he goes back to the alternative days, classic country, new country, uh, you you name it. He books anything from stadium shows, and I mean the big ones, uh, festivals, CMA Fest, all the way down to sheds and amphitheaters and whatever it may be, all points in between. And so we had had a conversation about the wrestling industry off and on kind of through the years, but we had one about, I don't know, nine months ago and he was picking my brain. And so when uh, a new day job came upon, he reached out to me and said, Hey, can we catch up? Well, Conrad, when we called up and, and started talking, the thing that um, he came back with was, Hey man, I understood or thought I understood the wrestling industry in, in, in a big way, but the pulse that I've gotten and, and kind of the heartbeat of the, the brand of AEW, he said, it's blown me away. Yeah. He said, it just is. And look, Conrad, me and you and our my world listeners and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, a lot of times we can get caught up in the day-to-day drama and candidly the silliness, but that's kind of what makes our world go around. And he said that and he said this and blah, blah, blah. But from a promoter who looks at, Hard numbers, and when I say hard numbers, hard, can you sell a hard ticket? Can you make somebody leave your house and buy four ringside or four general admission, or whatever it is, a night out? That That's what really matters in these guys' world. And like I said, he promotes everything. And so there's a lot of folks with 
streaming hits or radio hits or maybe got a great TikTok following or Instagram following, but actually monetizing that, which means getting folks here in the music and I'm going to go out and buy a ticket. They're, they're few and far between. And he looked at uh, the challenger brand of AEW and was like, you guys do this 52 weeks a year and the buzz of the market and promoters are salivating uh, at the opportunity, basically saying, this is a hit. They've got a track record. Look at their Wednesday night sales and they went out and did their due diligence. So Conrad, that call went from about a 15 minute call to end it up. It was well over an hour and I was just kind of blown away and, and he knew stats and look, everything is transparent. You can go online and check out ticket sales, but you know, he's in the venue business and he did some check-in and looked at the, the, the numbers and, and not just the Arthur Ashe stadiums or, or the all outs, but, but the weekly on a Wednesday night, Yes. And, and all of that kind of stuff, um, I'm pumped for my day job, Conrad. Super pumped because I think the opportunity is there. TNT, TBS, Warner Brothers Discovery, what partners they are uh, on the exposure. The social media aggregated collectively with the brands and all the talent is a freaking powerhouse. So, Connie, the day job's going well, and I'm just getting started, and I could not be more excited because uh, the opportunity is there. Uh, and execution is, uh, the next step, man. I love hearing that from you because, uh, it's a little bit of positive news and, and I do think you're right. I know you hate the phrase and there's pretty famous stories about you backstage really taking issue with the phrase, but I do think it, it works in this world. Like a lot of us, hardcore wrestling fans who know what the rating was this week or that week or whatever, we're kind of quote unquote, for lack of a better word in the bubble. But boy, when you step out of that in the nitty gritty, the day to day of professional wrestling, and you take a look and you say to yourself, self, <laughs> how many other touring opportunities are there that can draw thousands of people, whether it's 2000 or 10,000 yep. on a Wednesday night, 52 times a year, that does make it pretty unique. Now, sure. You could say, oh, but it's not sold out. Well, I would challenge you to ask you this. What other touring act is sold out every Wednesday night, 52 times a year. And I know you could say, well, Taylor Swift. Okay. Is she running Wednesdays every night no. over and over and over? And, and yes. Okay. The reality is her, her ticket sales would taper. I know that's not what you want to hear, but you know, if AEW ran a show a month, a show, a quarter, they'd be sold out hanging from the rafters. But when you do it week in, week out. Now it becomes a function of I'll get it next time. And and that's just, that's what happens, but that you're trying to serve two masters here of trying to, uh, create episodic television and at the same time, sell tickets. I'm just glad to hear that we've got some positive news here because it does feel like, man, people in wrestling, sometimes Jeff, they just talk about the negative, the have not rather than the haves. Not question. And he asked me, uh, he goes, well, why do you think, you know, and I said the maturity of the business in North America, I, I like. Hey man, the attitude era was two generations ago, but it was red hot there. But now in the streaming world and you can see everything all, all the time. I said, here, here's the cool part that I really think is bad bunny for everybody. No, is Shaq on TV for everybody. No, we could go down the list of bow wow or Rob Gunkrowski or whatever pop culture figure, Logan Paul, whatever it may be. They bring eyeballs, and so they may bring a massive amount of eyeballs. If we get a small percentage to hang around and convert them, 
it's 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 such a win. So I just think that 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 again, getting in the bubble, I think some people lose sight of professional wrestling slash sports entertainment. It isn't in and out of pop culture. It is pop culture. Well, something else that's uh, that's pop culture right now, especially for me and you. It's Blue Chew. We're coming to you live from the Blue Chew studios today and pumped to be with you and pumped to help your wiener get a bit of a pump. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. Sometimes you can bullshit your way into 15 executive jobs in the last two years. I don't know how that happens, but somebody on this call does. Uh, That's especially true in the bedroom. You know, when it's time to step up to the plate, that's where Blue Chew comes in. Mick Foley and I consider it a hot tag for your wiener. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take these dudes anytime, day or night. So plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. That means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversation, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. Have some better sex, y'all. We got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free. When you use our promo code MYWORLD at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is MYWORLD to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Without further ado, man, I say we jump right into it. Let's talk about Turning Point 2007. Wow. We recently covered uh, Genesis, which was November 11th, 2007. There's only a three week build to the next show. December 2nd is turning point. I, I imagine back in this day, I can't believe this is real. 15 years ago, WWE got first dibs on pay-per-view weekends. Is that right? Oh, for sure. That was when we converted from the Wednesday, uh, you know, the, the weekly pay-per-views and went on weekends. <clears throat> What a challenge that was, uh, because you'll have a better recall of this than I do, but boxing was a challenge and they had Saturday nights, but UFC was because we considered looking at, do we kind of go Saturday nights? Cause again, we weren't running live events when we went monthly, we were, how do we navigate this? And we're like, Oh no, Sunday's the wrestling night. We can't jump off that. Then when you get into the planning process in demand told us real quickly, WWE, uh, and they kind of have the flexibility once they get locked into a, uh, a date, they kind of have the flexibility to move. So you can't get too far out, but you know, they plan far enough out. So yes, we had to, uh, take, uh, the, the Sundays that they didn't want. And with our taping schedule and our three, four, five week build. Cause sometimes it was a regular cadence of every four weeks we had a pay-per-view and then sometimes it would go three and sometimes it would go five. So at the end of the year, heading into Genesis, 
we knew it's an uphill climb just because it's December. Um, a short, a short build. Uh, you know, October, we always bound for glory. We wanted to build that up. So we knew that all right, you're going to have some fallout from, from, you know, you're too removed. It was a challenge, but uh, it was the business model. And I'll go back to, and I saw this online about a week ago on um, profitability of pay-per-view. And somebody wrote in a comment section on, 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 a, on a tweet about, how our fixed cost, and that was my world listener because they've heard it from this. That yeah. that was the thing. We had fixed costs, so it's not like we went out on the road and and sold hard tickets and rented venues and all that. It was bundled in with Sunday pay per view, Monday Tuesday TV tapings. So our fixed cost helped a lot, but uh, it was definitely a challenge. It does feel like the real challenge with this product was selling pay per view. It, it feels like no matter how big the audience got. Uh, it, it never felt like you had what I would call substantial growth on pay-per-view. Nope. I'm curious about two things that you mentioned there. Well, specifically when you said, well, it's December and part of me thinks, oh, okay. So December being a holiday month, that means there's more travel. And I guess number one, well, there's all these new holiday expenses. You got to buy everybody Christmas presents, et cetera, et cetera. That travel, if it does exist for you is not cheap, blah, blah, blah. So you're competing for that dollar. I mean, it's not as if wrestling fans are just independently wealthy. I mean, th this is something we got a budget to take the kids for or whatever. But then I, I remember that historically, like when you were a young man, like Christmas night and Thanksgiving night were two of the biggest nights of the year in wrestling. Was it not? And that's, um, at WrestleCade, I had a conversation at the table with a guy who we got into it. And I said, kind of the, again, a my world listener. I said, the mindset is. Thanksgiving weekend, specifically Thanksgiving night was huge, but from Thanksgiving night until Christmas night and Christmas week was dead. I got you. It just was, we knew everybody was in the mindset. Hey, family's in for Thanksgiving. Uh, a lot of times you would do that special ticket price or, you know, something to, to folks that are squeezed. You got them in the building and you make a huge card on Thanksgiving knowing the next month. And it's almost like, um, the retail business, you know, how much of the retail business is made in the fourth quarter, like right. 70% Conrad or some kind of crazy number like that in you know, brick and mortar retail, it's made on fourth quarter because they die in second quarter and third quarter is a challenge. He want, but whatever it may be, but yeah, that was the mentality Thanksgiving night or weekend and dead up till Christmas week. So let's talk about it here. Um, the show, even though we only have a three week opportunity to build is going to have lots of news about it. Before we get into it, I want to talk about some news and notes on the way here. Meltzer would write, I don't know how accurate this is, but there are reports in Mexico that Samoa Joe versus Dr. Wagner jr. Will take place on December 14th in Monterey. And that AJ styles will face a Mexican star. Uh, most likely uh, Mr. Aguilera or Conan big on the December 15th show in El Torrio. Advances for both shows are weak. Using Conan Big, who is awful, means nothing at El Torreo. Means they were either sold a bill of goods or they're thinking about somehow getting back at Conan. The show on the 14th is billed as USA versus Mexico. What seemed to indicate they need several Mexican stars to pull it off, with the three names on the poster being Sting, Wagner Jr., and Angle. Now, in the end, the Mexico tour is canceled. 
what's going on here with TNA and are, are you involved in the touring piece? Are you just loaning out talent and it's a booking fee or what's the structure? Well, and I wish I could recall <clears throat> the personnel on the timeline, but it was a tour that the, the promoter didn't come through on the down payment, the deposit. It was a, it was a third party promoter that saw the value wanted to bring for all intents and purposes, TNA to Mexico. And we were like, yeah, uh, but here's kind of what it looks like. And you know, much more than a deposit, but you, you got to get real and, and we're not sending our guys down there unless we know they're going to get paid. And so, you know, as far as the tour being canceled, I'll kind of equate that to, they didn't put up the money. Well, what about Quebec? It comes out that you guys are planning a Quebec tour on the 27th and 28th in Montreal and another city, uh, that would have been of December. And, you know, here we are talking about how we're trying to, in, in 07, sort of find our voice in America, but at times we have seen great success internationally. How does that come about the Quebec opportunity? So our French broadcaster, um, again, we would get numbers and let me back up. We would get numbers in Conrad on our ratings, uh, in different international markets and knew that we were super successful. Um, not just, not, yeah, it, it was very successful, great numbers and which meant now here we are. It's funny how things are, are kind of mirrored, mir mirrored, mir mirrored 2007, um, spike deal. We were up and running. We knew that we needed to get on the road and, um, a, get our guys reps, get brand awareness, hopefully create some profit and keep the risk down. The Carters at this point, you know, we were still, we turned to profit, but man, this is Oh seven. We hadn't got the snowball going. We weren't two hours, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so again, Montreal was another situation. All right. Are we going to go run live events up there? If we are risk versus reward and, and, and we were not willing to risk to, to, to take a loss. So guaranteed money. And, and again, it was a challenge. It was a real challenge getting into those situations. You guys do wind up running that show uh, on the 27th in Montreal, Quebec city on the 28th, um, got to know, screwed that up on the 29th, uh, in Ontario on the 30th. So quite a little tour. Uh, and, and at this time, I don't know why it just, it, it makes the business seem bigger to me. I mean, in my head, we're struggling to make it in Orlando, but we got opportunities in Mexico. We're running freaking Canadian tours. That's pretty big time, dude. All the growth again, going back to my comment a few minutes ago, that that's something that, you know, when you launch a brand, you, you just also, we're going to get into conversations about the knockouts. It's, it's like, you can do too, you can do too many things too quick and everything gets lost. But if you have a little patience and launch live events, when there's a demand for it, launch a knock a knockouts division, when there's a demand for it. Uh, but we were kind of in that middle ground. I know we were getting uh middle East offers in when we didn't even have TV, they just wanted wrestling. That's another kind of reality of WWE being in the international marketplace since late eighties, early nineties, professional wrestling as an import export is, is out there and it's been front and center and, and promoters who make their living off selling hard tickets. They want to take a shot because when you take a music artist, no matter what genre that may or have one, two, three, four radio hits, you just don't know how they're going to sell in a specific market. So we were getting offers in 
but in the early days due to, I'll call it a Panda mandate. Uh, they were not willing to risk any funds, uh, on, on taking a loser. And that, uh, was, that was really our guidepost. Let's talk about impact. Uh, the episode on November 15th opens with angle welping, welcoming styles and Tomco into his uh, new family. And that brings out Kevin Nash, who used to be part of angles family. Nash winds up fighting all three, this angle Alliance, a, a heel stable feels like a staple of TNA, especially in this era. Is that, uh, is that just booking one Oh one? Is that something you're a big fan of Russo? What can you tell us about just this dominant heel faction, whether it's main event mafia or it's aces and eights, or it's this angle Alliance. It does feel like that's something we're going to see pretty consistently on the program. Or maybe it's the first family of wrestling with Jimmy Hart or yes. it's, I mean, um, kind of the school of thought is in, you know, I was taught this and you can kind of look at modern day stuff of throw the blood bloodline out there. Um, you know, one faction gets over, you add a, a couple of, uh, folks to it. They both, they get over essentially by be, being the involvement you can oversaturate it you can look at the nwo days that core of five maybe six i, I i'd love to hear your opinion when did the nwo jump the shark as far as adding members uh but but you know so factions groups they always work in, in the fact that it's a it's a it's a, i think it's an excellent means to to tell stories because you have an appendage from Kurt to Tomko, Kurt to AJ, you know, whatever it may be, and Kurt to Nash, and just kind of the dynamic that I think you can create emotion because there's relationships uh, on one side of the fence, and then there's relationships on the other side of the fence. And then, again, going back to that human emotion, uh, and it's a, it's a way to tell stories. Talk to me about Kevin Nash. Is he the guy who's, who's helping behind the scenes say, hey, man, why don't we get the band back together? Why don't we bring in Scott Hall? Is he the one pushing for it? Or is it an idea from inside the camp that you guys present to Nash? Like what if? So, you know, looking at these notes, Conrad, it obviously took me back, um, to this era, uh, 2007, um, you know, in, in the fall, uh, my first wife had passed away in May. And so, you know, kind of go through the, the real numbing period and, and trying to put the pieces together back from a personal situation. I wasn't in the ring. Um, and, and so I, I just remember trying to, when I was reading the notes, like, all right, what was going on is, is because I try to mentally go down the checklist. What was going on at home? What was going on in the office? How was international? How was merch? Where was Don West? Where was Andy Barton? Just kind of the like trying to take me back to that time. And when I, I looked at this, yes, I, it goes without saying Kevin was probably the guy that that brought up. But it would not surprise me if I got on the phone with Kevin. Uh, speaking of Kevin, big night tonight. I'll let you talk about that uh, whenever you want. But um, that 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 I didn't say it because. Scott always had a soft spot in my heart. If Scott Hall would have said in 1995, or no, is that because it's actually 94 out on the road and I'm wrestling Doink and yeah. a whole host of others 
and Scott would watch my matches and like them and we'd be traveling together and whatever it is. If, if he just kind of would have diplomatically told Vince, uh, you know, I'm not feeling it. I just don't see a double J razor program. You know, that's it. Where would my career have gone? So always have. So also if you're around, if you're around Scott, uh, of course, anybody can rub the wrong way. And and me and road dog have laughed about you want to hug and kiss Scott and give him a big hug. And five minutes later, you'd want to go, man, he's an asshole, but that was Scott. But, but, um, so I, I would say me and Kevin were the front runners on, Hey man, the thing was we were in Orlando. Scott lived an hour away. That's easy. <clears throat> it wasn't a heavy lift to get him back in the game. He was going, obviously, now look, what I know now about the disease of addiction and then it's not even comparison, but hell, I knew he was having a rough time and I can relate so much to dads and kids and divorced families and just how it rips you apart. And it, it goes without saying, Scott was on the back end of, I mean, Look, does it get any bigger in a guy's career about NWO? I mean, Scott, I mean, they were the tip, 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 tip top. So I knew Scott wouldn't say, hey, man, I I can't wait to get over there to the impact zone. On the flip side of that is, in the early days of TNA, Scott was all in. He loved my dad to the day he passed away. There was so much like, come on, Scott, give this a shot. It's going to help us, but it's also going to help you. So me and Kev definitely both were, were pulling for Scott. And probably, well, we'll get into that, but we probably made decisions with our heart and not with our head. Well, well said. We're going to talk about it. I also want to briefly touch on all these new characters that you've got. Uh, (laughs) Relic, which I guess is killer spelled backwards. We got him. We got Abyss. We got Black Rain. Uh, It feels like we've got, for lack of a better word, some redundancy here. We've. And you know, Jim, Jim Cornette has famously said, if you got a locker room full of seven footers, you ain't got no giants. The idea being you need one guy to be the giant and then he's special. But if you got a whole room of them, well, now he's just another guy. When you have these dark characters, do you think you had maybe too many? These unexplained masked men who were doing these dark things. So I always, and I still believe this today, if you're not innovating you or or attempting to innovating you you're you're missing out you never ever get a hit record or or whatever if you don't try something different you're going to strike out a lot a lot of folks people don't like to swallow that but that's was my mindset and many times i can't going in a creative booking room and all that oh my god jeff we got way too many x division guys okay can i see a roster and you look and you go okay there's probably six, eight guys in tag, six, eight heavyweights, six, eight X division. So tell me again, why do you think we have too many X division guys? Well, they're all over the show. Okay. That was last week. Maybe the week before that we did you know, all that. So then <laughs> our bu- old buddy abyss, he was the only monster. So right. you can only have so many wrestling matches or wrestling matches, you know, the, the best. So, Hey man, let's create a monster. Did we probably go top heavy? Maybe. But but that was the mindset. It was all abyss driven. How do we create some characters around him and have a monster's ball and and go down that go down that path? So it is again 
innovation, heavyweights, tags, X division, knockouts. All right, we're going to not create a monster division, but kind of for, for a run, have a couple of monsters. Well, uh, we have uh, a new uh, a new king and queen. We're going to do a little contract signing ceremony for Booker and Charmel. When Christian comes out, I can't believe this is real. He calls Charmel a nappy-headed hoe. Now, timing is everything. Context is everything. As a reminder, this is when Don Imus, the radio personality from New York City, got himself in a little bit of trouble talking about college women's basketball and he used the phrase nappy headed hoe. I realize a lot of times wrestling here, for lack of a better word, mirrors pop culture. But goodness gracious, that was a bad idea then, and it feels even worse now. Fair to say? Exponentially worse now. But I mean, when I read that, I'm thinking to myself, Christian and Booker are smart dudes and self aware of pop culture. They obviously signed off on it with one another. But it, it's funny how things and you just kind of look at eras in life and, you know, there's there's so many things in the Attitude Era where, Conrad, the viewer sitting at home laughing or cutting up, that is great content. And then you look at it now and go, what the hell was society thinking? Right. Even times have changed. This did not age well. Let's talk about, uh, somebody else who, uh, doesn't seem to age talking about Frankie Kazarian. He's, uh, one of the early standouts, at least in my mind for TNA. And I mean, just last month he was in the main event challenging for the impact world title. And he actually had a sniff at the world title here. Uh, he's going to be in the main event here, wrestling Kurt angle. It's a strong title match. It goes almost 20 minutes angle gets the win, but he would write that. Kazarian really improved his standing with two strong matches, one with Christian and one with angle. Why do you think you guys never went with Frankie? Like, I'm not saying that to be funny. I mean, sincerely, uh, I, I see him. I mean, I, if things were just a little different, couldn't he have been AJ styles? Like as far as just in the ring, a good look, a good performer, a nice guy. It feels like Frankie checks every box. He does. And look at him still performing to this day. I texted him yes. when he won the championship and I'm just like, it's kind of a, uh, such a, a, couldn't be happier for the guy. But when you look back and again, hindsight's 2020 and you look back at the roster just on this pay-per-view and this is an 07, we're talking 15 years later, Eric yes. Young, Bobby Roode, yeah, or just had surgery. Frankie Kazarian, AJ Styles, you just kind of go through the whole list. And I can remember in the rooms, I want to say Dutch, but it, we were looking for different guys to, to I don't want to say establish Kurt, but get get good wins, but competitive wins. But Kurt it has a gift of, of, you know, if it's a 20-minute match, the viewer at home may feel like it's been a damn near Broadway, but just an, an exhaustive match to bring the best in out of it. And Kurt could get a guy over by losing to him. And that's because kind of the mindset that we were to, to continue to bring Frankie up. I think our misguided or mistakes or taking our off the ball um, goes back to, man, and we have said this so many times, Conrad, who were we, who was our master? Was yeah. it buy rates or television ratings? And patience 
is an action, but having patience and giving a guy like Frankie, we'll just give Frankie and Christian. Christian was established. So I think when you sit down at the table and say, we're going to go with Frankie or Christian, uh, Christian's kind of been to the dance. We're going to go with him. In hindsight, his mistake uh, from time to time, you got to go absolutely his mistake. But it's, it's, Frankie had all the skill sets. He checked all the boxes, but timing is everything. And in and, and a creative process, a lot of times you go back to, I want to buy rate and you go, hmm, okay, we're going to go with the established vet. Right. And it's right or wrong, but that's kind of the decision making process. Well, not to take away from anybody else, uh, not trying to play the comparison game. I just want to remind everybody, Frankie Kazarian just made have ended an impact pay-per-view and looked phenomenal. Had a barn burner potential match of the year candidate just a couple of weeks ago against Josh yep. Alexander. Also a former AEW tag team champion, a ring of honor tag team champion, three separate times, six man tag team champion there for ring of honor, the X division champ here in impact five times, three times the world tag team champ here in impact. Uh, won the X division King of the mountain twice had the match of the year. was in the wrestling observer tag team of the year. Just a super decorated guy that I feel like it's 2022, man. It's just flying under some radars. And I don't know why, you know, in my personal look, uh, Frankie may, you know what? I always, I always either, either wanted to go just with Kazarian or Kaz. I like Kaz just like, What's the persona? What 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 is who is? Because uh, when you talk to Frankie, he's a charismatic guy. Yes, he is. And so to do a profile piece on him, though, when I look back on stuff like this, I'm like, you know, he'd been a good one to do a profile piece on. You know, yes. what's what's a what's a a day in the life of of Kaz or Kazarian uh, look like? And then you know, like all good things in professional wrestling amplify a few different things, whether it was he liked whatever. Beat, whatever. Yeah. 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 Well, let's talk about the, the real reason we're talking about, uh, this show in particular today, it's going to come down to Scott Hall. He's going to be at the center of this conversation shortly. Kurt angle comes out and cuts a promo on Hall and Nash styles and Tomco and angle are beating down Hall and Nash. When Joe makes the save. And Meltzer would write, the feeling on Hall is that he'll work some dates, and from there they'll make a decision as to how to use him long-term. He wants one last run. When he first pops back up, when he first makes his appearance here on TNA property, is he uh, welcomed with open arms in the locker room? Are there some people who are maybe tentative because of things they've read or heard over the years? Or did most of this locker room grow up watching this guy, and they're like, holy shit, Razor Ramon's here. Now, I know I'm the last person uh, being whatever you want to call it, owner, executive producer, founder, wh whatever it is. I'd be the last person to find out if somebody didn't like Scott. Yeah. They knew my personal relationship with him. They also kind of knew how my mindset was in, in that, um, all right, let's parade Scott out there, see what kind of reaction he gets. And, and when Scott and Kevin go back and watch, I mean, over is, is, is a term used a lot. Yes. But, but those guys were super over. And, and so Scott has charisma that you can't put a price tag on. He had it. And, uh, you know, so that was accurate in Dave's, you know, reporting in that Scott, let's just get you back in the game and go from there. That was the whole mindset. So I wasn't aware of anybody 
And I'm sure there was. I'm sure there were some guys saying, he's taking my money. He's taking my spot. He's going to screw up. Look at his track record. Why are you guys doing this? You know, all the way down the line. Um, again. By the way, let me just stop you right there. If that's your attitude, you're not going to be su very successful in life. No. Like if it, the, the hip hop term is pocket watching. If you're so focused on what everybody else is doing and everybody else is making, you're not going to be at the top of your game. You can't control what they do or what they're given or what's taken from them. You can control what goes on in your life. So if you have what I like to call below the line thinking, that's on you. You need to purge yourself of that or you'll never be as successful as you think you deserve to be. Bingo. Well said, pal. Well said. Let's talk about coming in though, because listen, I don't mean for this to sound ugly, but it's just a fact. This is a guy, as you said, was a big deal in the WWF and was a huge deal in WCW and helped lift the whole business up. And now he's quote unquote, just working TNA. So it's not a sold out 20,000 seat Madison square garden. It's a soundstage in Orlando. Yes. It's convenient, but it probably doesn't feel as big. And there's lots of talk in the observer about how maybe junior Fatu, the former Rikishi, he's really not acting like he's all excited to be here. And maybe we're going to just ease him on out. Meanwhile, we see reports in the observer that Booker and Charmel come in. Like they're thrilled to be here and excited to be a part of the team was, was Scott on either side of that or just somewhere in the middle, his approach to being in TNA. At this stage of Scott's, well, uh, I mean, Scott always liked to get paid well, but of course the identity of Scott Hall at this stage of his life, he, you know, and he had come off to you know, he, the, the NWO. And then by this point, they had already gone back to the WWE. Yes. You know, so, so they had, they had, Scott had had they his from hell. It happened. He's been excused again. Yeah. He's home. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. so Scott's identity, he, he couldn't, his, his relationship with his ex-wife and kids was what it was. So Scott's purpose and identity in life, I think at the very core of it, that, that was the issue. And Scott liked hanging around his buddies, but when you're not treating addiction, um, you, you don't, he, he wasn't, he, he didn't have a focus, but he certainly w wouldn't come in and he was glad to be there. He, Scott was glad to be there. Not so much it was 60 miles from home or 50 miles from home. Not so much it was in the impact zone. He wanted to be around Kev and others. That's 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 what was making Scott tick. It wasn't the money. It, what, hey, man, I'm going to go hang out with these guys. And, the and what do I – I liked – he likes to be around guys and talk wrestling. If you pick up some knowledge from him, great, but he's also going to pick somebody else's brain. Scott would do that all the time. He would ask guys, well, what do you think to at least get the conversation started? So Scott was probably a lifetime learner in the industry as well. The, uh, the first two dates he's in easy. Yeah, no problem. That's my recollection. No problem. Sabu was supposed to be at the TV tapings and, uh, it comes out in the observer here. The way the next few weeks were supposed to play out was Chris Harris was going to start a feud with Rhino and make a heel turn while Sabu was going to be a business tag team partner. 
but Sabu called and said he missed his flight for the November 12th tapings. So they had Rhino go in his spot and saving abyss and being in the program with black rain and relic. Sabu was also booked for the 13th, but wasn't there. And by that point, the new angles were shot and he wasn't needed. They had long-term plans for Sabu and it probably won't be out until after the pay-per-view that they decide to start him up or just forget about him. Is this fool me once shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you, or you really believe, Hey man, guy missed a flight. Like it happens part of it. Look, reality is reality. And again, the monthly episodic pay-per-view business model was always challenging. And so to, to, to get abyss, uh, my best, a Sabu on a short-term deal, Hey man, you got to come in on these Mondays, Tuesdays, we're doing three shows in two days, but you got to come back for the pay-per-view. If, if you miss day one, you're for sure out. It was, let's move on. I right. mean, it was, and yeah, however you said shame. Yeah, it was look, love Sabu. I've always gotten along with him, but, but he's always marched to the beat of his own drummer always. And that's a big part of what's made him successful. That time of year, boys and girls. Can you believe it? I know I can't. I know what you're thinking. This is going to be expensive. How am I going to pay for all this? Have you seen the economy lately? Can we put Christmas on pause? You can't. It's going to be here sooner rather than you think. And I'm here to help at SaveWithConrad.com. How's this for starters? No house payments for two months. You're going to have to make a payment in December. You're done until January. And come January, you're going to have a happier new year. Because it'll be with no credit card debt. It'll be with lower monthly payments. We can knock out your car payment. We can get rid of your second mortgage. We can pay off all your credit cards. We can get you the cash you need to turn your house into your dream home and do it with no money out of pocket. Don't get stressed out about the holidays. Just go to savewithconrad.com right now. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. It just takes a few minutes to get started. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, serious business, get a lower monthly payment. Make this the best Christmas ever. Skip your next two house payments at savewithconrad.com. Meltzer would also say Sting isn't being booked going forward. His being pinned by Angle in the Genesis main event was done as his farewell to the company, if need be. Dixie Carter still wants to sign him, and he hasn't agreed to return for another year. He'll turn 49 early next year, but he does move very well for his age. There's the feeling that Sting's name may help them in the merchandise and video games, etc., because he's a novelty as a draw is over. I'd want to have him in a position where maybe he works two to three pay-per-view shows next year. So his appearances can mean something, but there's no point in him being a weekly character. Of course, with that deal, he should be on a per show basis and he may not be up for that. If he does sign, they'll start booking him again. Turning point is the last pay-per-view under the time frame of his contract and he's not on it. So this is 15 years ago. And we're thinking this might be the end of sting. It's written here that Dave believes 
maybe not every week, maybe every so often, and let's make it special, but just have him in the fold. So you can do video games and merch and things like that. Was that more of what you were hoping for or did it just come down to dollars and cents? That was literally, uh, and I, we've got a mighty counter. I feel like we've talked about this many times. It was this simple. Yes. Carter family. We won't sting. Yes. But we also know what can you afford? If you can tell us that, all right, then we'd go back and forth and like, okay, tell you what, we kind of look at our pay-per-view arcs. We have two big ones, but if we have him on two big pay-per-views, I don't think that's going to monetarily get us there. So let's get him on four. But what happened if you wanted, we would go on that and basically say, let's book him where we can have him on four pay-per-views a year around that. And it would yeah. go that. But we also were well aware that Dave's right from an action figure video game. If he's a part of the licensing deck, he's maybe in the licensing world in 07, I'd say he's right up there. Top five Hogan sting flair, right. you know, you put him in a licensing deck and I, I'm not talking about wrestling fans. I'm not right, talking about, right. I'm talking about the licensing folks that sell lunch boxes and video games and sheets and all that kind of stuff. It's all one big licensing business. Sting is a meat, a needle mover for sure. Is that always Dixie's call? Does she handle sting directly? Are you involved at all? It was, she like, she loves Sting. and she wanted to deal with him directly, but she had guidance from her father and from us from creative. Let's, uh, let's talk about Jeff Hardy, uh, or no, I'm sorry, not Jeff Hardy, Jeff Jarrett. That's oh. would right. There were no plans for Jeff Jarrett to return to TV as a performer, at least for a few months. He's going to return when the feeling is it's the right time to maximize his character. And right now with Hall, Nash and Booker all starting out in the main event mix, it's not the time. Is that a call you make or a call that's made for you? I'd say. I led the charge on that, but it was definitely a collective. I didn't want to do, I just didn't feel there was, there was just so much going on. And again, I'm going back to the Kurt angle signing. When we signed him in, in, in my creative mind, there was a huge relief that that is the centerpiece moving forward. Cause sting was for all intents and purposes, really never full-time, but, um, and you know, Lots of other top stars. We talked about them, Nash and Booker and even Scott Hall and, and Team 3D and all that. But when that happened, I, I knew that my full-time days in the ring didn't need to happen because I felt, as an owner, I need to really focus on not just creative and executive producer, but licensing, international, live events, really spend my bandwidth on all that. And that was the decision. I never said I'm never getting back in the ring, but I just knew we're talking November, December of 2007. I certainly wasn't ready. Creative certainly wasn't ready. We didn't need me out there at all. Uh, so, it, you know, I, I'll say I led the charge uh, both personally and professionally, but we were all in agreement. Well, of course, if you were getting in the ring, your shoulders weren't going to touch the mat. I mean, everybody knew that. Yeah, right. Uh, who would ever book that? <laughs> I mean, nobody, we know that. Hey, so let's talk about the Thanksgiving edition of the show. Oh boy. 
a little silly. We're going to have a food fight. It's a uh, quote unquote at the angle house, even though everybody knows they live in Pittsburgh and shows in Orlando, whatever. We're going to suspend our disbelief. Guys are coming over. It results in everything getting destroyed. Karen's flipping out. There's some funny stuff in here where we see, uh, yeah, there you see Karen dressed as a pilgrim. If you're watching over on YouTube, that's quite a look. Uh, but there's a, a prayer from Kurt angle. That's worth a chuckle. Thank you. God, that Pac-Man Jones is no longer in our company. <laughs> Tremendous inside hilarious stuff. Uh, and then awesome Kong, we get a shot of her eating plastic fruit early on. And she complains it doesn't taste very good later on. She's catching uh, food in the middle of the, uh, the food fight. So as the food's flying through the air, she catches it and eats it. We got Jay lethal here doing his best macho man, Randy Savage. And when he sees awesome Kong, he asks who invited Kamala. That's not very nice. Uh, still, this was over the top, silly shit that I enjoy, but I know some people say, oh, funny, don't draw money and blah, blah, blah. We don't have to necessarily debate that. I am curious. Did you produce these? Were you having as fun, as much fun with this as, as we were watching? So I believe again, it's the old balancing act that if you do two that are funny, three that are funny, four that are funny. Everybody said, Hey, do a fifth one. And then you fall off the cliff. But, yeah. uh, this is, I, I would say a collaborative effort. Um, this is Thanksgiving at TNA and it's, uh, you know, in the back lot, we rented uh, a, a third studio this night, uh, on universal studios. We knew we had to make our, you know, impact folks during this era well all airs it aired on thursday night so of course this is thanksgiving night when this product's airing as is traditional done in professional wrestling nowadays but russo i'd say jeremy borash maybe a bill banks maybe a matt conway i'm just trying to think of the players that were being involved but it's definitely a, a russo production um there were some really kurt and karen Look, it's not for everybody, but if you like some comedy in wrestling it's for fun. characters, this is for you. I hey. mean, I'm sure we're going to have clips on social media, but uh, th there were there were some different clips of this. I mean, I just phenomenal stuff. It was, but again, not for everybody, but if it's, you like comedy and wrestling, watch this. You'll like it. Here's where it gets a little over the top. Maybe the outsiders arrive to the impact zone and they ask where Kurt's thing is. And the cameraman says it's down the hallway. Now, remember this is supposed to be at Kurt's house, but now it's quote unquote down the hallway, 20 minutes later in TV time, they still aren't there. AJ is going to head to the ring. And somehow in the three minutes it takes him to get from Kurt's house to the entrance, he's here and in his gear. So maybe there's some continuity issues. I don't have a problem suspending my disbelief but it is fun that we dedicate time to discussing that in the observer so, so uh, let's stop you on that because yeah. when i read that you just look at it and you go how in the hell did that happen i mean down the hall you know just everything yeah. dave pointed out who's in the bubble and rightly yeah. so and all that yeah but i i don't recall this specific but i have seen this happen over and over and over Russo and we'll just call it his whole team are in there and they've got five shots to do We're at the end of a taping. Everybody literally wants to go home. This is on a Tuesday night. I'm assuming it's got to air. Yes. Air Thursday, a Tuesday night. It's probably midnight Conrad. 
And, oh, no, we've got to shoot this arrival shot of Hall and Nash. And so a camera crew and Hall and Nash, and maybe they are not cooperative because they want to get home too, and we got to shoot this arrival. Whatever it is, I can rationalize, justify, and minimize a thousand things here. Then the day, there wasn't a creative guy on spot that was listening. That's how that crap happens. I mean, it, yeah, that is. It's not live. Why does nobody check the tape? That's my point. Yeah. Like, so that collectively, there's a, a cameraman. There's an audio guy. Yeah. There's probably a PA. There's probably a creative. And most importantly, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, the vets. Yeah. Hey, you know, I said that. That didn't sound right. Hall? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it happens. They're pros, and it happened. So the uh, Thanksgiving Turkey Tournament, uh, each first-round match features a heavyweight guy, an X-Division guy, and a tag wrestler. For instance, we got Abyss, Chris Saban, uh, and Devin. Uh, the winner gets $25,000. The loser must wear a turkey suit. Then they do a women's match with ODB over Angelina Love and Velvet Sky. And... ODB is doing a deal where she's drinking from a flask coming down to the ring and then even takes breaks during the match to drink, man, this gets over with this crowd here. Does it not? I mean, Meltzer would even write ODB had enough charisma for all three women. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Well, uh, the, 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 the core of the knockout division is it got rolling. Austin Kong identifiable character was perfect in that that's she was awesome Kong. gail kim the established veteran that could go who had been a, a part of me james and, and chris's faction and worked her way through but she was establishing over and then as we started to add the beautiful people the different pieces of the puzzle odb kind of captured lightning in a bottle that she resonated so quick with that impact zone fans and they absolutely loved her and she can work. She, yeah. she could work and also know how to work that character. And that is also in a lot of ways, that's yes, that, that ODB is ODB. It's crazy to think, you know, we talk about it all the time. that timing is everything. Imagine if, you know, her character was first getting established and getting hot in the last few years, as opposed to 15 years ago. She would have made so much more money in wrestling, Joe. Oh, my gosh. Big time. The uh, main event of the finals of this uh, turkey challenge, if you will, is Joe over Styles and Saban. Uh, because Styles took the pin, uh, he's supposed to put on the turkey costume. He refuses. Cornette threatens him, hey, we're going we're gonna to fire you if you don't. So he does it. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Hall and Nash and Joe run out and they clean house angles. The last one in the ring, Eric young comes out with a Turkey bone and the others are holding angle. And uh, the segment ends with angle with his Turkey bone in his mouth. Meltzer would write angle is a fantastic mid card comedy heel and a hell of a worker in the ring, but he completely doesn't get being a money drawing main eventer. TNA doesn't get it either. It's probably why the promotion feels like mid carters having great matches and no true impact main events. Now, this is something I can't wait to discuss. Uh -oh. because I think you and I both agree that when it comes to an on-screen comedic performer, and I don't even know why he's so great at it, Kurt Angle might be number one all-time in wrestling. 
Like, I don't know why he played all of these characters so convincingly well, but it's like, if you give that dude copy and he's got some sort of script, he's going to go out there and put on one of the best acting performances where, I mean, there were belly laugh moments through Kurt Angle's career, but he also has that other side where he can just be a, a badass, a wrestling machine, a monster, and nobody can touch him. And to have both of those things is unique, but it does bring up the question just because you could, does that mean you should? And I wonder, you know, listening to Bruce talk about when Hulk Hogan leaves the WWF, everyone was trying to figure out, okay, we we don't have Hulk Hogan anymore. Now we have Bret Hart. How should we promote Bret Hart? And there became an adage in the office. What would we do for Hulk? Let's not think we have to deviate. Let's just, we know that worked for Hulk. Let's do that for Brett. And I can't help, but wonder some of the silliness that we had Kurt angle do over the years. Do you think it hurt him as a top drawing act? Like, do you think it like we've seen a little bit of the comedic stylings of a Brock Lesnar, but by and large, it's been really serious. We've seen a little bit from Roman reigns, but by and large, it's been really serious. You think we hurt Kurt angle? accidentally i mean he was great at it god dang he's so good at it but is that almost like a double-edged sword so here's my response do we think that Dwayne the rock johnson was ever too silly or you know but at the same time i'm not trying to cut you off yeah 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 stone cold steve austin when the business was at its height it's when he was a badass beer drinking, middle finger wagon. Yep. But when he started doing funny cowboy hats and Kumbaya the business took a shit. And, and I'm just saying once upon a time, the rock was not this monster that just ran through everybody. The rock was always a smart ass persona. He was always the guy who would cut you down verbally. Austin's going to kick your ass. And, and Kurt angle has that ability, but it does feel like. Well, we tried to make them comedy characters. They became comedy characters and maybe it was hard to get them back the other way. Like, I don't, I don't, I think Austin would even agree with that. that so, okay. So here's where I'm going with that. Okay. I believe that there's, there's very few, Hey, there's very few performers that, that can do it. Kurt's one of them. But when you have that ability to, do it on a Thanksgiving show special or, you know, wrap in the ring with Brian Hebner. You have to be ready to follow it up with the ass kick and heel. But I think showing that adversity, the acting chops, the skill set, the rhythm, the, the, I'll call it just, just the, 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 the range. I'll call it the range in, 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 uh, the performance ability. I think it's, money-making and healthy. And I think it's great for the character, but I'm going to go back to what makes the number one hit the song or the singer. You better write a song following up this silliness where people go, Ooh, that's the Kurt angle. Ooh, that's the stone cold. You know, that, that you just don't jump the shark with it, wicked with, with it. And every week you see this guy performing comedy, then you're diminishing returns. So I think there's a balance and I think it's a creative balance that yes, the creative team is responsible, but ultimately I think the talent 
and I thought Kurt did a good job of it most of the time in, in that he would flip the switch back the other way and you go, okay, that's, you didn't say it mentally. Uh, you kind of just emotionally felt, all right, yeah. that's ass kicking. That's the money making. That's the Olympic gold medalist. That's the wrestling machine. Here he goes. You, you never lost sight of that because when he flipped it back on, he could do it, but he was diverse enough in, in his performance abilities that he's super entertaining. To be clear, I know Meltzer was critical of Angle. I am not. We just yeah, talked about last week here on the show where, you know, one of our Dutchisms were something like, uh, shut your damn mouth, run the play, cash the check. So Kurt Angle did that. And man, I think every segment, I shouldn't say every segment. Yeah. Nine out of 10 segments that Kurt Angle's in, you'd say, well, he crushed that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if the creative is just, won't this be funny, bro? This will get it. This is exciting, bro. People are going to love this, bro. Well, then we wind up doing maybe a little too much silly shit. Too much. I mean, it, it, it gets, uh, lost our way. It, I mean, and, and so many times a creative process, you, you just don't change soon enough. You, you let me, let me ask you this. Cause you, you're a big proponent of this and I love it. And I wish more people would say it. But anytime you and I have debated something creatively, whether it was on air or off air, you would always say the phrase, and you know where I'm going with this, creative is subjective. Yeah. And last week we talked a lot about, hey, man, uh, shut your mouth, run the play, cash the check. I get that. But isn't there a fine line for a performer? When? How do you know as a performer this is a hill worth dying on and I need to push back on versus ah, this ain't that big a deal? Is it just a gut feeling? Yeah, I, I truly think it's the musician's ear. It's, it's the performer's ear. It's the gut feeling that you got to know. You just got to know. I don't think you, that it's like, can, can you manufacture charisma? No. Can you manufacture a, a gut feeling? No. You just, a lot of times, and I think you can acquire it through the years. You can learn and get wisdom and learn by trial and error. And that's kind of the unfortunate thing on life that, you know, me now, this is crazy for me to say as a double nickel performer, man, had I known back then what I know now, but in my twenties, you just, it, it's one of those things that with age comes wisdom and it's something that you just kind of, kind of have that, that gut instinct. Um, and I think that separates the, the goods from the greats. Well, well said, man. I, uh, I love talking about just wrestling philosophy. Um, that's neat. Talk- hey, real quick. You get a lot of good feedback. We haven't really caught up on last on the Dutchisms, man. I got more text. I got always online. I see different things on Twitter and Instagram, but I got a lot of text. like, man, I enjoyed that episode and that, all that kind of stuff. Which I got, I got requests to turn it into a book and I'm like, guys, I I can't make a book about Dutch's shit. First of all, I don't know how to make a book. Although I am grateful that Eric Bischoff has one and you should go grab it. Uh, go to amazon.com. I've been grateful. Eric Bischoff. It is the perfect stocking stuffer for the wrestling fan in your life. You're going to catch up on the entire TNA run. Uh, that brief cup of coffee working for Vince McMahon and, uh, in the WWE in 2019 how the podcast was born and just everything that's going on with his life. Now it's grateful by Eric Bischoff, but yeah, I, I think people want a Dutchism. Maybe it, maybe it deserves to be a toilet book. You know, remember those uh, great oh, big yeah. books? 
That's what we need. We need a, we need a Dutch toilet book. I like it. Um, there's some, uh, discussion about Booker T. We should at least mention Meltzer would write Booker held a press conference on November 27th, which mainly focused on his leaving WWE. He said WWE was not taking PWA as a developmental territory and had nothing to do with his leaving. He said the straw that broke the camel's back was the 60 day suspension. He claimed he was a scapegoat theorizing the company needed a big name to suspend and that he never ordered anything with a credit card on the internet. He had no explanation as to why his name would come up in the investigation. He said when he was suspended, he knew it was time to leave because he felt the company should have protected him. Now, as a reminder, I believe this is the era where there were some performance enhancing drugs that were a hot topic and maybe his name was on a list. You and I have not spent any significant time talking about steroids, but I feel like now is just as good a time of any. This is not a, uh, a combat sport. I mean, it is, but we're pulling punches. It's not a, it's not a traditional competitive sport. It's not, um, it's not something where performance enhancing drugs necessarily mean that you're going to hurt your opponent or it's going to, I just, I guess what I'm saying is in a traditional baseball, football, basketball, this ain't it. This would be akin to me again, as an outsider, because what the hell do I know to the rock doing steroids? I mean, and I'm not saying the rocks doing steroids, but if you're listening to this and you have eyes, the rock is doing steroids. And so is Mark Wahlberg and Sylvester Stallone and every action hero that you've seen in movies. Like there is a safe, normal way to do this or safer. There are better ways than others, I guess is what I'm trying to get to. And I'm not advocating for steroid use. I'm just saying this is not traditional sport. So I kind of don't give a shit if wrestlers take steroids. I hope if they, whatever they do, that it's done by a doctor and that they're doing it safe and they're doing it the right way. If you're buying stuff that's made in somebody's toilet or in a back alley, it's probably not the right way. With all that said, I don't give a shit if wrestlers take steroids. Was that the attitude that TNA had at the time? By and large, yes, in that we are not true sport. And right. and and steroids in sports make a make somebody have a disadvantage or somebody get an advantage unfairly. You're, the game is, is compromised. Yes. Well, just the flip professional wrestling is a cosmetic industry. Yes. It is. Hey, go ask Karen to go on TV without makeup or any female go ask, um, any wrestler to, Hey, go wear something that's going to help you compete. You know, guys come out in cowboy boots and jeans and suits and, we just saw a picture of NASA. We're, we're, we're actors. It's, it's, a, we're shooting a TV show, a movie, a stage play. That's very physical. It, that's going back to my conversation yesterday, Conrad, man, me and, and the, the broker, we went into rabbit hole after rabbit hole, but it's, I don't say it's new to him, but it was refreshing to him of, you know, you, you have an artist that you're in relationship with and Hey man, they, they, whatever happens and they're out on tour one year and not successful the next. Well, wrestling, uh, is great in that you get a new band and a new cast of characters and you roll on again. It's not like you're stuck with the, with the one artist. And, and that's kind of our cast of characters, write songs. You have different players and roll along, but it is a cosmetic business and taking, uh, them 
under doctor's orders or care or guidelines candidly is beneficial. I'll tell you what else is beneficial saving money. I love talking about rocket money, formerly known as true bill. Got a quick question for you. Are you wasting money on subscriptions? Well, it turns out 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. Maybe for you, it's an unused Amazon prime account. Maybe it's a Hulu account that never gets streamed. There's this great app that I use that helps me track all of my expenses. And because of it, I no longer waste money on subscriptions. I don't even use You might've heard of it. It's called rocket money, formerly known as Truebill. And I got to admit, I thought, how much can this save me? What am I spending like 80 bucks a month? Nope. It was more than $200 a month. And you might be doing the same. Sometimes you wind up even paying for something twice. I found out my wife and I were both doing that for Hulu. Turns out we were both doing that for Peacock too. Now we watch TV together. We don't need two accounts to watch one thing. What are we doing? Well, thanks to Truebill, now Rocket Money, we're saving that cash. You see, Rocket Money will show you all of your subscriptions in one place. This is an app that gets it all on one screen for you, and then it cancels for you whatever you don't want. Think about that. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions that you didn't even know you were paying for. Maybe it's something you thought you canceled. Maybe it's something you don't even remember signing up for. But to cancel a subscription, check this out. All you do, press cancel. Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Doesn't get any easier than that. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash myworld. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash myworld. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com forward slash myworld. So listen, the, uh, the go home edition of impact Meltzer would call a decent to good show. The build for angle versus Christian as a long-term thing was good. There weren't any cringe worthy segments you usually get on impact, but on the negative side, when the show was over, I had no interest in the pay-per-view. It's very hard to sell a pay-per-view when you have a trios match on top. Is that right? You think that's tough? Uh, it is. It's just single main events. Just. Look in the annals of, of the, it just, uh, you know, to, to get down into the, uh, the nitty gritty, if you will. I think that's why the chairman at the end of the day, didn't like tags or wasn't a huge fan of tags. People pay money to see man on man. It, it's just one, or, or I call it now one-on-one uh, it's, it's, you know, and that two on two kind of divides the, um, uh, spotlight focus that you can do. And then of course, at another two at six, it just makes it, it, it's just more and more difficult, uh, as far as making money. The show starts with uh, a Booker T promo, uh, or they're at least teasing a Booker T promo where, you know, we're going to, we're going to find out why Booker T left WWE. And then when he does the promo, he mentions that he left, but says, I'll tell about it in my book. And when he says WWE, there's a, there's a, a chant from the crowd. They suck. I know we've talked about this before, but why are we talking about WWE? Well, in this context, it didn't no upside, no yeah. meat to the bone. No, no, wasn't going anywhere. I'm all for challenger brands, uh, and, and, uh, punching up and especially in the WCW, WWE or WWF at those times, kind of that kind of war mentality, 
taking shots. Um, and I'm not saying in inside baseball, something that to the viewer who has nothing, no idea going on, it, it doesn't completely blow things out of the water, but it, but in this, what was the payoff? Hmm. Didn't feel it. Didn't see it. Um, and I didn't recall that at all. As I reread it, I'm like, damn, did we do that? And I'm like, yep, I guess we did. The main event of the show is Kaz and Scott Steiner and Joe and Abyss over Angle and Tom Coe and Styles and Christian. It's an eight-man tag to sell a six-man tag. Mm. And this is really tough. I just want to remind everybody, there's only three weeks of TV in between pay-per-views. And one of those is the Thanksgiving show. Yep. You've got to fall out from the last pay-per-view. Try to set up the next one. Let's do some silly turkey shit and try to tell some story when we can, but know our numbers are probably down. And then the next week, well, now we got to do the hard sell, but it's for maybe a less than main event. And look, and this, this is, it's the reality. Here's something that when you sit down and write these shows, Conrad, you can relate to this. So you've got three episodes done in two days. So essentially an episode and a half each day. Well, that means if you overexpose your fans to this live studio audience and they're going to work a main event or an in-ring on show one and then show t- you, you, you just diminishing returns. So you have to have in the back of your mind taking care of the guys physically that you cannot overwork them. Uh, okay, let me back up even further. We did th- three shows in two days, but we also did the November pay-per-view. So we did Sunday, finished that arc, and then came back on Monday and Tuesday and did three shows in two days, went home for two weeks, half weeks, and came back into this pay-per-view. It's a challenge. It was a real creative, physical, um, marketing, all of that. It was a challenge. The, the, the model, going back to that model that we've talked about, many times on here. I want to remind everybody that uh, we are going to cover the whole pay-per-view, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to skip around a little bit. We're going to run through the matches and then we're going to finish with the whole Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Samoa Joe business, because I think that's the larger piece of the story, but I do very briefly want to remind everybody of, of some news that we got as you and I are recording today on Monday, Jeff, early this morning. This past Friday, Barry Windham had a heart attack in the Atlanta airport and he's, uh, not looking so good. He's in ICU and he needs our help. Of course, as we know, there's not a traditional retirement for professional wrestling. And, uh, we've had the pleasure to have him at several of our Starcast events, just a class guy, a fantastic guy. Uh, but he needs a little bit of help. So I want you to go to, if you get an opportunity, go to gofundme.com. And just search for Barry Windham. And the title is WWE Hall of Famer Barry Windham in ICU. They're trying to raise $200,000 for his medical expenses and care. And uh, they need our help. So shout out to Barry Windham. Shout out to uh, one of the all time greats in professional wrestling. And uh, I know he needs our help. So hope that's okay that I, I felt the need to at least mention that today. In the Atlanta airport. I didn't hear that part. It happened in the airport. And listen, I realized that some people might think, well, man, what a bad place for that to be. What a great place for that to be. There's going to be a place where there's access to a lot of help very fast. Uh, I I don't know all the details. I just know that he was on his way to an appearance, as I understand it, in the Atlanta airport and went into cardiac arrest, had a massive heart attack, and hopefully he's getting the care he needs. And we want him to pull the nose up. But uh, 
That's his heart. So thoughts and prayers for sure. Those count, those matter. Uh, but when he, when he does pull through, cause we're thinking positive on this show, he's going to need our help. So go check it out. GoFundMe.com. Type in Barry Windham and you'll find it. Uh, this show itself, Turning Point 2007 here, uh, is it's not one of the company's better shows, but it's not awful. The show gets uh, 63.5% thumbs up uh, in the Wrestling Observer reader poll. Uh, it is up from Genesis. Genesis had 25,000 buys. This has 30,000. So, hey, maybe three weeks and Thanksgiving in between didn't totally kill us. Let's jump right into it. Match one, Team 3D and Johnny Devine. Are going to go ahead and beat Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, and Jay Lethal in a tables match that goes right at 15 minutes. The torch gave it two and three quarter stars. Lots of talent here. Team 3D or Hall of Famers, no doubt about it. I think everybody listening to this knows how talented Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, and Jay Lethal are. Johnny Devine, sort of the uh, the odd man out, had a nice little career, but uh, I don't know. What was it? What were we missing in Johnny Devine? What do you remember on this match? Well, I mean, we wanted to add, and I'll say this, you know, Bubba, when he gets his, when he always, I'm not saying he doesn't, but you know, he, he had his mindset on that his kind of look, and he understood the lay of the land. Bubba knows, knows how to play politics. He knows how to do the business. He definitely knows how to get heat. They had a ton of heat in the impact zone. He just knew how to do it. And his whole kind of motif was, I'm going to, you know, character driven. I'm the, we're going to destroy the X division. But at the same time, divine an X division wrestler who a heel that they're going to align themselves was, it was designed to help get Johnny over. And, and, and that's how that was the mindset. And look at the players on the other side of the ring it goes without saying kind of, uh, Lots of the uh, stalwarts, lot, lot, lots of the foundation of the X Division of those guys. It was good. Bubba and Devon, they had they 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 carried their weight and then some. Many, 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 many nights uh, taping TVs and pay per views. They have a relationship with the audience, do they not? They, yes, and that's Bubba. He's not afraid to get booed. Right. I mean, to me, it's just that simple. Bubba and Devon both um, had the mindset that we're going to go be heels, and whatever it takes, we're going to do. But getting cheered as heels is blasphemous. It was, and that boy, as time goes on, that's more and more rare. Unfortunately, there is such an art into uh, being the antagonist. And I, I, I don't want to sound like an old school guy. It, I'm not saying that I'm saying you need to find a way to be the antagonist because we are in the business of telling stories period. Well, what a story it is here. Uh, brother Ray is going to run into a table, but lethal moves and it cracks. So that doesn't count because you got to have somebody put you through it. Uh, the referee eventually gets bumped. Lethal uses an elbow drop off the top rope on divine through a table. But of course the referee's down. So Ray then grabs the X title and, uh, he hits Saban, Shelly and lethal. And then he puts lethal underneath divine. Both are on top of the table. So when the ref wakes up, he sees, oh, wow, they must've put lethal through the table. Ta-da. These damn heels. They win. They tell a story and. There's a bit of a skit we'll pause on and we'll come back, but it's about 
what we're really talking about. And next up, we get the ladies. It's Angelina Love and Velvet Sky beating ODB and Roxy. They go six minutes and two seconds. Um, Love gets the pin here. It gets a half a star. You know, listen, we got some talented folks here. This one, maybe a miss. ODB is over. They love her. It feels like we're still trying to figure out how to get everybody else over. Fair to say? Fair to say. And here's where Angelina Love, Velvet Sky, early stages of the, the beautiful people, but they were the baby faces, but really the biggest baby face in the match that it's like the people turned ODB. She's supposed to be this redneck, pint guzzling, ass whooping knockout. And the people took to her as a huge baby face. And, and that was the reality of it. And look, it was, again, the early stages of, of building the knockouts division. The uh, next match is uh, Eric Young and James Storm. They go 12 minutes and 21 seconds. The crowd was super hot for it. Um, Young is going to use a sunset flip to get the pin. And Meltzer gave it two and a half stars. Uh, the torch gave it half a star. The pre-match storyline here is James Storm is going through alcohol withdrawal. He's begging Jackie Moore for a beer, but she won't give it to him unless he wins the match. In hindsight, eh, eh. ugh, no good. Yeah, no, it, 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 but well, there's no buts about it. Eric Young and James Storm put on a clinic, folks. Yeah. Uh, look, and I say this different times, but you know, we we always lay eggs on on a pay per view, or most of the time, if not every time, they these guys can go. They flat out can go. Highly, highly entertaining athletic match. Listen, they, they know what they're doing and, and there's lots of good stuff on this show. And if you're not watching it or you haven't seen it, what are you waiting for? Go to impactwrestling.com forward slash packages and use the promo code Jeff to sign up. That's impactwrestling.com forward slash packages. Use the promo code Jeff to sign up. You'll see there's just seven 99 a month, or you could be an annual subscriber for just 72 bucks. But man, you want to talk about a good deal. There's so much wrestling content here and they run specific to this network pay-per-view only. Like you can't get it anywhere else. It's only there. It's impactwrestling.com forward slash packages. Use that promo code Jeff and, uh, you might get a little surprise pretty soon. Don't give any spoilers here. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, the next match because, well, it kind of gets everybody fired up. They do a feast or fire battle Royal with four briefcases. <laughs> one briefcase has an X division title shot. One has a tag title shot. One has a TNA title shot. And one is a pink slip saying you get fired. Guys involved here are Christopher Daniels, Sanjay Dutt, Lance Hoyt, Jimmy Rave, Petey Williams, shark boy, Kip and BG James, Chris Harris, homicide, Hernandez, and Scott Steiner. And they work it like a battle Royal with guys throwing each other over the top rope. But if you get thrown over the top rope, you're not eliminated. In fact, nobody could be eliminated. So if you're confused, join the club. Williams escapes with the first briefcase. BG takes a bump, pretends to blow out his knee while the trainers are working with him and he's selling. He does a good job. Brief uh, Kip gets the briefcase. Uh, when you look up unable to get over in the dictionary, there is Kip wearing that Candace Michelle ring outfit. That's according to Dave Meltzer. <laughs> he threw his brief briefcase out of the ring to BJ, uh, BG who got up and showed that his selling was a work. 
He caught it, so they got something. Harris was a full-fledged heel. The one nice thing is they didn't bother each other with archaic ideas of turning someone heel with an angle and an opponent. Instead, Harris just complains all the time about things that are valid, and thus that makes him a heel. His gimmick here is he didn't want a briefcase because he didn't care, and he didn't want to risk being fired. Sinshi then got a briefcase, and Steiner got the final briefcase. But instead of opening them, it was announced you got to watch TV to see what's in the briefcase. Meltzer would say, is that ass backwards? Having people pay $30 for a pay-per-view, then telling them to watch TV to find out who won one of the matches. Jeff, of all the silly shit that has happened in TNA, this has got to be right up there, is it not? Well, now, why would you say that, Connie? Well, they, I mean, everybody, listen, if you listen to Eric Bischoff's podcast, he talks a lot about how if you want people to be invested, matches aren't nearly as important as story. And for the story to be there, there must be stakes. And then we care about the match. And I have to admit, man, whoever opens this case is fired. Well, I'm interested in that. I buy the pay-per-view and you don't tell me. I just gave you $30 thinking I was going to find out who got a title shot and who got fired. And instead you say, watch free TV. Well, shit next month. I'll just keep my money and watch on TV. Cause that's where you're going to tell me anyway. Have you not lost some consumer confidence with silly, silly shit like this? So this conversation went round and round and round and round kind of what, that's why I was chuckling in that here's point counterpoint. Did anybody say I'm going to watch turning point this Sunday because I want to see who gets fired. That's, that's fair. Why, that's why they bought they're buying the pay-per-view to see who gets fired. So there's kind of two sides of that coin. And uh, remember that show deal uh no it's uh not deal or no deal. Where was the one where uh how we uh opened the briefcase um remember that the show was red hot when you did the briefcase reveal and what's in the briefcase oh yeah. my how what's the name of that show not let's make a deal but uh dealer it's not deal or no deal is it uh it's howie mandel let me look it up oh jesus anyway um as you're looking it up that was kind of the mindset yeah, yeah you got it deal or no deal deal or no deal okay because the mindset was the following week again who's our master is it the pay-per-view world or compelling television and we knew that we could do a segment that would be entertaining and you get the four guys in the ring and one of these four guys. And so we had from Sunday to Thursday, basically saying is Steiner fired is uh BG James fired, you know, kind of the, the, the look, are people going to tune in on Thursday to say he's going to get fired regardless that that was the mindset of we're going to tell this part of the story. These are the four guys. They got the shots. One of them's getting fired and the other three getting title shots. That was the payoff that we were giving them this night. And we wanted to push till TV. Look, it's subjective. Obviously, Meltzer didn't like it. I don't think Eric would have liked it. But also, in a lot of ways, okay. Uh, we'll take our bumps and bruises and move on. But that was the mindset that the, the payoff for this night were we know who the four are. So one of those four is getting fired. So let's push down the, the, the push downstream and tune in Thursday, uh, to see who gets fired. Can I yell at you now? Yes. Sucks. 
How many, how, how many people were watching the, the show? Just guess. I don't have it in front of me. How many people were watching your weekly television show in 2007? A million, two million? Uh, probably one, three, one, four. So we know 30,000 people bought the pay-per-view. And if we could just get these 30,000 to watch the TV show that they're clearly already watching because they ordered the fucking pay-per-view. Then we could get to 1,330,000. They're already counted in that number. This is dumb as shit, Jeff. Just fucking admit it. Oh, time is another master. We just going to flip it out. I mean, you know, how, how long are we going to give the battle roll? 20 minutes? How long does it say the battle roll went? Does it say it in the results? I'm curious. Uh, no, I can, I can find out run fast. That's, though. that's all right. But I mean, I, I, I'm going to say it was 10 I'm going to say 10. So to reveal it and, and make it entertaining. 11.55. So you do four reveals with a little time. You probably go close to 20, at least close to 20, maybe 25 with talent clearing the ring. And then you got to set them up in the ring and open. So I hear you. Hey, I, mean, here, here's, I hear you on. They're already watching. They're already watching. Yeah. So it's not like, man, if we could just get the people who give us $30, okay, the people watch the free show. We didn't buy the pay-per-view, so we'll call it 1.3 million. Hopefully, those casual that watch it twice a month, hey, make them tune in this week, and maybe we'll get to 1.5 because one of those guys is getting fired. Hey, I want to watch that. Well, wouldn't you run that angle on the prior week's TV, tune in next week, and we'll open the case as opposed to pay-per-view? Well, certainly we did that. Hey, uh, well, you talking about the, the, the Thursday before. No, I'm sure yeah. we know yes. people, hey, you're not going to see Sunday who the, who's getting fired. We did that with cross channel and however else Twitter's pre, this is pre Twitter. So oh, Lord. I know get in the rabbit hole, Conrad, my wish just... came true. You're in an ornery mood. That's okay. Bama's out. <laughs> Bama sucks. They're not even playing. Not, man, you know what? Normally on new year's Eve. Uh, like most people, I like to celebrate at the end of the night. Maybe there's a little alcohol involved this year. Alabama's game is at 11 o'clock in the morning on new year's Eve. No way. 11 o'clock in the morning. They're playing at 11 AM. Yeah. Well, central time where you and I live, oh, so right. Eastern, but still yeah. where are they playing? Exactly. New Orleans, the sugar bowl. Kansas state's going to take us to the woodshed. Where's Tennessee playing? And at what time do you know? Pro probably Birmingham. <laughs> I mean, the Tennessee volunteers suck, dude. You know that. No, they don't. Well, they don't even have a quarterback. Well, we won't either. You know? Yeah. I was going to say there self self, uh, you're playing in the orange bowl against Clemson. I thought you were some big football fan. You don't even know what your team's playing. I, well, Look, Here's the thing. Y'all are playing on New Year's Eve's Eve. You're the night before December 30th at seven o'clock our time, eight Eastern Friday night. Yeah. Oh, is it Friday? Maybe. Yeah. It's Friday night. Yeah. Our game's Saturday morning at 11 AM, which if, if you're an SEC fan, that's the scrub time spot. Two <laughs> like 30 is the prime time. Then there's seven o'clock. That's also kind of prime time. But if you're the 11 AM game. Yep. You're like Vanderbilt. You know what I mean? That's uh, next up, we got Gail Kim beating Awesome Kong in a knockouts title match in 823.
This gets the hottest crowd reaction of the show. Meltzer would say, in fact, it's the hottest crowd reaction I can ever recall for a U.S. women's match. It was the Cena atmosphere with the loud dueling chants. Kong played a monster and the crowd got into their favorite Kim getting slaughtered or making comebacks. They built it so Kong never went off her feet right up until the finish. And then Kim used a missile drop kick and Kong bumped. The finish saw Kong throw down referee Andrew Thomas twice for a DQ. And after the match, Kong gave Thomas a powerbomb. Sky and Love ran in. Kong powerbombs Sky. Love comes in with a chair. Kong's going to punch the chair into Love's face, knocking her down. Kong then powerbombs Kim on the chair. And the crowd was yelling for ODB, who's supposed to be a heel. But boy, she's over with this crowd. Meltzer loved it. Gave it three and a quarter stars. I think you could argue that this match was one of the first matches that made people start to take women's wrestling in America seriously again. Would you agree with that? Agreed. I want, let's go back into old, old Davy boy, old Mr. Meltzer. He said, maybe the hottest reaction. In fact, it was the hottest crowd reaction I can ever recall for us women's match in the impact zone in, in the impact zone. So I just, people sometimes like to, to bash on oh studio. Well, no, no, no. You tell the story, right. And it was fresh. Let's just get that right out. The characters were great, but it was yes. new and exciting and engaging. Yes. And Gail uh, you know, had her WWF run, came on board with us, wanted to start the knockouts. Well, I mean, wanted to just wrestle. And we had some patience and timing. Finally launched a division. She was well-known. She had done her Karanas off the top and got established and all that. And then we brought Kong in. The knockouts division was started. And then here we go. But that kind of stuff is not manufactured overnight. It was just built week after week after week after week. And that's kind of the beauty of patience. If you build it correctly with patience, you get the ROI. But man, oh man, instant gratification in this day and age we live in is such a killer. I mean, it just stifles creativity not having patience. It just absolutely cannibalizes it all right i'm off my soapbox but my god this is and look there's a thousand examples out there patience 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 go out of your way to watch this impactwrestling.com forward slash packages use the promo code jeff to sign up if you're a fan of women's wrestling or what it's become this is a major piece of that story gail kim and awesome kong two of the best that ever did it Maybe neither one of them got their proper flowers with the WWE, but they get the opportunity to shine here. Even if it is the fifth match on a show, people started to sit up and take notice as a result here. And, uh, and it's a quick little throwback. Our subject last week, Dirty Dutch Mantel, that finish when you kind of hear the layers of it, of think about what Kong did after the finish. And that was Dutch's mentality. Give him a finish and then tell the story. Power bomb the referee, power bomb Gail Kim, beat up folks. It just kind of left the people wanting more. It's phenomenal. I uh I love this stuff. 
podcast fans, huge ad-free shows announcement. The premiere of Click This, the Kevin Nash podcast, is coming to ad-free shows live next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. That's December 6th for a live watch-along of his world title match against Goldberg from Stargate. It's happening next Tuesday on adfreeshows.com. Here's the deal. All $29 level members and higher on ad-free shows will be invited to join the live watch-along event. And top guy members will get to come up and chat live with Kevin during the event. Talk to Kevin. Kevin talks to nobody. Barely talks to me and I'm his co-host. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to chat one-on-one with Kevin and watch this live watch-along next Tuesday at freeshows.com. Next up, we got Abyss and Raven beating Black Rain and Relic. It's a match of 10,000 thumbtacks. They go 14 minutes and 41 seconds. They tease that Abyss is going to reveal his mystery partner, but somebody got their wires crossed because Rain in an interview says that Raven was the partner. Meltzer would say Raven looked very heavy. Um, in the end, Meltzer kind of didn't hate it too much. He gave it a star, two and a quarter stars. The torch only gave it one star. Uh, what'd you think of Raven's work here? And, uh, what'd you think about, you know, the reveal? Oh, it's a mystery partner. No, no. We're just going to say all that, but boy, what a snafu that was. Yeah. I mean, however you slice and dice it, that was, I I believe that's a screw up unless somebody can come back and recall. And I I don't know, but, uh, I'll say this about old Scott Levy Raven big money. When it came time. To put on a pay-per-view performance, he always worked his ass off. Whether he's in shape or not, whether his head in or not, whether he had a good storyline or a bad storyline, when it came time to deliver, he's a thinking man. He would think things through, and he would deliver. He would over-deliver. And same with Abyss. So those two guys always had great chemistry. So good recipe here. Next, we've got Chaos teaming with Booker T to take on Christian Cage and Robert Roode, a tag team match that goes just shy of 16 minutes. Uh, and this is a good one. Uh, Meltzer liked it and gave it three and a quarter stars and, uh, the torch dug it a little bit, maybe a little less than Dave, uh, two and a half stars Kaz though, getting a brush up against some former WWE main eventers. That's pretty cool. And you got such a, a roster here. I mean, just to remind everybody, black rain is actually Dustin. He was bleeding heavily in this match too. So you just take a look at this crowd and you have a, a lot of established wrestling stars, team 3d, AKA the Dudley boys. Duh, check, got that. Um, we got a lot of homegrown talent, but just as far as talent that we know, we've also got Kip and BG James. We got Scott Steiner. Uh, and then as you would progress on through, guys like Raven as a quote unquote surprise, he's been on WWE TV. Here comes Booker T. Here comes Christian. And then the rest of the crew, man, it's a lot of TNA originals. And that gets us to our main event. And the main event is really what we're all about talking about here today. And the reason this show is so notable, it comes down to Scott Hall and it's really the headline of the observer. It was a crazy week for TNA complete with two major no shows on pay-per-view, a work shoot angle, a match on pay-per-view where the results won't come out until nearly two weeks later, a supposed breaking of the script, two wrestlers quitting a bunch looking elsewhere, a pep talk and an emotional rant followed by an apology and a whole lot more. The show storyline was something of an ongoing reality as Scott Hall contacted the promotion and claimed to be suffering from food poisoning. As the show went on, nobody in the promotion knew if he was going to show up or not. They did a show long storyline where Samoa Joe was mad at Kevin Nash and the former stars for coming in, making more money, and then not producing 
while the rest of the locker room busted their ass and would have given anything to be in a pay-per-view main event. They even have Kurt Angle give Joe a speech about how Hall and Nash were washed up and he's using them because he was an athlete who could go. Meltzer would continue regarding Hall after leaving the food poisoning message. He never contacted anyone in the company for the rest of the day or as of press time. Kevin Nash has said he was in contact with Hall either Saturday or Sunday morning. Never heard from him again and was very disappointed since Hall had been telling Nash for a year they should get together for one last run. At first, Nash would joke back that he had no more runs and he's in a lot better shape than Hall. But Nash, who management said they would never use again after he no-showed a pay-per-view where he was supposed to job for Chris Saban in a program that he himself laid out and then never did the payoff match, got back into good graces. First, it was they'd never do business with him again. Then they went back with the mentality of none of the guys on their roster have the star power and Nash is a real star. So if they use him on TV as a character, but couldn't trust him to give him a run as a wrestler. Russo eventually convinced Jeff who against the wishes of Dutch Mantel to use Nash as a wrestler. There were tentative plans going forward for a Hall and Nash tag team, but those were never etched in stone because it depended on how well Hall could perform and what condition he'd show up in. So today the word is Hall will never be used again, but this is a company that's been burned by every former star con man from Hogan, Nash, Savage, Hall, all the way to Jake Roberts. According to a close friend of Hall's, he had been depressed over his family situation over the past week, particularly when he doesn't get to see his children enough or at all. While those in TNA weren't aware of any of this, it appeared that few, if any, bought the food poisoning story. And those were hot at that because it was the same story Chris Benoit used as far as the lying excuse because he wasn't coming to work and thought it was in poor taste. Rhino also no-showed, although he contacted the company and said there was a family emergency. They used a clip from TV to create a neck injury as a cover story. Rhino was expected to be gone for a while. Raven was brought in the team with Abyss. Even though the last time he was around, he was feuding with Abyss. So a lot to unpack here. Food poisoning is the story. You love you some Scott Hall. You're grateful for all he did for you early in your career. You're appreciative that when you stepped out on your own, he believed in you and joined TNA when maybe he didn't have to, but he wanted to for you and your dad. So I, I get all that. When the food poisoning call comes in, is it, damn it, fool me once. Is that the sort of thing or is it something different? Delusional optimism. Okay. I just thought he'll be here. Yeah. He'll be here. I was trying to rack my brain and then trying to just like think things through. Who did he deliver that food poisoning message to? Was it Terry Taylor? Was it my voicemail? I don't think either. I don't recall either one of those. So I had to go line back on. Did he call Scott? Did he call Kevin and Kevin delivered that message? And then if he did, was Kevin coming to me saying, I don't know, he may or may. I, I don't I don't remember all the ins and outs and all of that. I do remember thinking, man, I hope he gets here. Oh, yeah, just just that because I do recall that there was a chance he'd make it because he lived so close. There were no airports involved. Get in your car and come over here. Kind of one of those things. 
Um, again, I, I wasn't, I just didn't have the, 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 the knowledge I have now on the disease of addiction. Like right. I just, I, you know, I, I always thought, okay, man, uh, maybe he tied one on last night. He'll be here late. He'll be here real late. Oh man, he'll come and we'll whatever it may be. And just that delusional optimism thinking, because I, I do remember that we were headed up in there and to kind of put things in full context here, Rhino, another, if I remember correctly, his was a definitive and I won't get into it because it is a personal matter. He had a personal matter that he had to handle and that he had to take care of. And it wasn't his health. It was a family matter that he had to address and uh, in addressing that he took himself completely out of the game and was very transparent with everyone involved. And I got that. I totally understood that. Uh, Scott, unfortunately was a mystery to all of us in the, I say mystery, like, Oh man, he might be here. He, he might be here. Uh, I was obviously sadly mistaken, but it was totally two different things, but they were both going on on show day. Let's uh, remind everybody that you guys actually do a skit in the middle of the show where Joe and Nash are together and they're establishing that hall wasn't there. Nash is going to be acting concerned, wondering if he's in a ditch somewhere. Meanwhile, Joe is mad because he no showed. And I'm curious the thinking here, a lot of times you know, we, if we know that somebody's not going to be here and I, I get that a lot of people may have actually bought this paper, you joked about the, the feast or fired battle Royal, whatever. Well, maybe people actually did buy this because they wanted to see Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. So we need to address it. Was there any thought to let's put a bow on it or did you, was this just you in the delusional optimism? Hey, let's just kick the can and, and, and give us options for the future. Give us options and be real with it. Okay. It's what I, my my gut again. Uh, a lot of this is fuzzy. <laughs> it's gray. Uh, on on when I wasn't working, um, I produced from the truck. I went in the truck, so I was in the truck all night. Uh, so I don't know if I was asking for updates or you know hour before pay per view. I kind of said, "Hey, let's go that direction," and then Vince was going to produce this pre tape. I I. I wish I had a better clearer of kind of play by play on all this, but, um, I do remember the delusional optimism, like he'll be here, he'll be here. And if he's not here in the back of my mind is let's go deliver a hell of a match. And the story becomes Scott, no showed Kevin Scott, no showed, uh, Samoa Joe. That's the story as opposed to Scott, no showed the promotion. Um, and, and, and take a reality based situation and roll with it. However, that may be without Scott. Uh, but you know, they, they shot the promo again. I, I wish I could just put my thumb on exactly where my headspace was two hours before the show, one hour before the show, when the show rolled and maybe an hour into it, when we shot this pre-tape or we did this live. I, I imagine that was a live shot. Uh, I don't know. Well, let's talk about what happens here. Meltzer would write the main event saw angle and Tom Coe versus AJ styles come out to face Nash and Joe. 
Joe was told by management to go out and do a promo to Barry Scott Hall for no showing somewhere in the promo, which wasn't planned much ahead of time because nobody knew if Hall was going to come or not. The story is that Joe went off track and went into business for himself. The strange part, aside from the whole show building to the promo was the signs of a Vince Russo worked shoot playbook, including telling everyone it's a shoot and looking at Dixie Carter and saying they could fire him if they didn't like it. Nash in the ring looked furious that he was getting buried in the promo. Joe's purpose by management was because they thought the fans loved Joe as the baby face to make it seem like it was Scott Hall's fault and then build up and make people accept Eric young as their third man. Joe shoot promo, which would have torn the house down in ring of honor. Didn't get over with his TNA fan base. It was a telling sign because Joe was critical of TNA bringing in quote unquote superstars. And it was clear from the reaction of the live crowd. that while they enjoy the action provided by the wrestlers who became names in TNA, they do see the old names and former WWE names like Nash as the real stars. Even if they joke their way through the system and don't produce in the ring, Joe made a reference to himself as the best wrestler in the business, which is the deal that Paul Heyman would have his champions in ECW do. And Gabe Sapolsky had his champions in ring of honor do to show support to their homegrown stars. But the fans didn't buy when Joe said that in the least fans also didn't accept Eric young as the third man, as there's a big difference between an undercard comedy act. Who's out there for laughs being accepted in a pay-per-view main event. The speech went several minutes long, cutting the main event short. The match wasn't bad, but it was flat to the crowd. When Joe pinned Tom Coe with a muscle buster to win. It came off as a disappointing ending to a lackluster show. Shortly after the show was over, Joe and Nash had a near altercation. Meltzer gave the match a star in three quarters. Wade gave the match a star and a half. And as we know, something did happen. Here's the report. Multiple sources watching have slightly different stories, but the basic gist was that Joe was talking to Nash, still mad about how everything went down. Nash told him he didn't want to talk right now because he was mad and for Joe to leave him alone. Somewhere in there, Nash either pie faced Joe, shoved him hard, or threw a forearm to the head. Agent Stilo Brown and Scott Demore broke it up. Nobody was yelling or screaming. And there were those who felt that Joe backed down. And there were those watching who felt that with so many people there, after already being in hot water for his promo, Joe would be risking his job and that nobody did or didn't back down. And both wrestlers knew with everyone there, it was going to be broken up anyway. Once again, this also sounds very reminiscent of how WCW tried to work the boys in angles and TNA is in a position where they could want to shake things up. And Russo has gone this direction before with Jeff Jarrett. Still several suspected it was possible. Those we talked about believe Joe really did go into business for himself and get untracked in that promo. And it killed the atmosphere for the main event. And what happened with Joe and Nash was frustration stemming from that, as opposed to an internet based angle. And it's also written that the choice of Eric young was a call that you made. And it was very much second guessed because it didn't get over. And both would say, or Dave would say both Booker T and Kaz were the most obvious choices, but they had just gone really hard in a 16 minute match. And you Jeff Jarrett didn't think it was fair to them. Lot to unpack here, man. Tell me about, before we talk about Eric Young, did you tell 
Samoa Joe to cut a promo. So again, I was in the truck and he, here is something that, man, I'd love to have our, our boy Keith Mitchell, uh, because Keith, I would sit right behind him uh, uh, in, in the truck in that the direction I gave is reality based. Russo's going to produce it. So Russo and Joe, uh, got together on that, but I, I, and I remember saying, keep it short and, and leave it open-ended. And, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of meat on the bone and, and the point about the impact zone, I don't say turn it on Joe, but not really digesting it. It, it and look, and I don't want to get too off track here, but you start burying the guy who those people out in the crowd paid to see in the main event that you kind of are spitting in the wind. So you kind of had to navigate that, but, but you, you had to get out. Scott's not here and, and, and say a few words, but then build Eric young up and it just got misguided and way too long. And I could remember Kevin, I mean, Keith and me going, how can we get word to him? And I'm like, it's too late. Joe's a performer and he's going down this road. You, you can't, it is what it is. Uh, but, but the reality is what a growing process because the impact zone, when you go back and watch this, they didn't, they just did not buy the messaging. Uh, and, and look, I'll stand on putting Eric in there because Booker and, and Kaz were likely, and there were the few others that we could have put in there. Why not you? I wasn't ready. I don't even think I had my wrestling. I'm, I'd be almost willing to bet. I didn't bring my wrestling here. Um, I, I know there was a consideration of just making it three on two. Uh, that wouldn't have worked. Um, I wanted to deliver some kind of match and Eric was over could get great responses from that impact zone. He, he just was that multi-dimensional character yes. that, that he, he could go and he could take, take that spot. But at the end of the day, it was really designed to keep it open, even, but you got to give him a finish and roll along. I, I, this is one of those hypotheticals. What if, but I will be willing to bet that had that promo gone about a third as long as it did go, I, I don't think we would be, I don't think it'd be <laughs> the main spotlight on 2007 and the backstage altercation. That promo just went too long and it was mixed messaging. You know, when you open up a, a sales email, uh, Conrad, and you have a bunch of clutter and you miss the message, you don't buy. And I think there was so much mixed messaging. Okay, Scott's not here, but wait, Joe, you're telling me you're the best wrestler in the world, but wait, TNA, this promotion that we're backing, that's how we came for, they screwed up. There, there was multiple messages and none of them got over. And, and and mainly because it just went too long. Does that make sense about the, the e email uh, analogy? Way too much messaging and he was burying the promotion, which in turn buried out the people in the audience and said, hey, I left my house on a Sunday night to come watch you guys. Barry Scott, but don't bury the promotion. Any heat on Joe when he comes back through the curtain? It was was it for me? I just knew that 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 the 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 story didn't get over. I stayed in the truck after the match was over, and me and Keith probably talked 
10 minutes because I'm just like, man, what do you think? I would always do that. I'd get feedback and maybe there was somebody who stopped me getting out of the truck or maybe I had to meet folks. I don't remember the, I mean, I wasn't there on the altercation. I remember it. Everybody came and told me, but it was over and done with it by that point. Well over and done with. Um, bygones be bygones with Nash and, and uh, Joe pretty quickly. I think that night it was, I mean, I, if I recall correctly, I mean, they were tempers and, and, and they both are passionate about this industry, but to my recollection, it wasn't any long-term, we got to worry about them being in the same building the, the following night. None of that. With regard to Eric Young. Just, no one last thing. In my mind, that night when the show's over, still at the top of my personal brain was, What's going on with Scott? Yeah. 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 I mean, he, at the end of the day, he no showed. Is yeah. he alive? Is he okay? Where's his headspace at? And Kevin too. You're worried about your friend more so than fucking wrestling. Without question. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes that gets lost on people that, you know, these are, this is, you know, man, I don't mean for this to sound silly, but this is a job. And so like as much as we fans, cause I'm a fan as much as we fans love this stuff, like imagine if your best work buddy just doesn't show up one day. Yeah. You can get somebody to cover for him and yeah, it might affect your, your work performance, but do you really even care about that at the time? No, you're like, man, what's going on with my buddy. And I can't tell you how many times that. Let me give a good example. Like you go out and tear the house down in the main event. And everything is clicking. And I mean, you, you should be quote unquote on cloud nine. Yes. And I'm sitting in the dressing room going, damn, the house is just up a little bit. You know, people don't think, oh, that, that's a great match. You should be elated. Well, fact of the matter is we did something wrong in, in our booking because the house is either down or the same or just up a little, or we had too many guys on the card and we lost money or we didn't make as money, much as money as we thought. There's so many other metrics that it's not all about that creative process that took like took place in the last 20 or 30 minutes. It's just one of many pieces. Well, and that that's what makes your story and listening to you on this podcast. So good and different and entertaining because when we hear, and again, I'm not dumping on wrestler podcasts. I'm, I do a bunch of them. I love them, but I'm just saying a lot of times it does come like a Bruce Pritchard. He cares about, oh man, fans loved it. And, and from a wrestler standpoint, you know, Arn Anderson or Ric Flair, oh man, the fans are going bananas with you. We get to talk a little bit about, yeah, okay. We can talk about your match, but at the same time, I got some bills to pay and we did something wrong. And so, yes, you're out there trying to give everybody the best show you can and Hey, we got two stars, three stars, four stars. Nobody gives a shit. Did we make any money? Did we lose money? Are we taking care of the business? Is it growing? Is it contracting? And I think that's, what's cool is you're able to sort of wear both hats. And Meltzer even talks about that in the observer. He says, the idea was that Jarrett would be seen as a big enough substitution that it would save the show, but in doing so you'd sacrifice a big angle schedule for 2008 for a pay-per-view match that everyone will forget in a week anyway. So there you go. You were talking about patience earlier. There it is. There was a story that Joe suggested homicide and was told homicide wasn't over enough or good enough for the spot. And they chose young. 
While we can't vouch for the truth of that story, homicide believed it and was really hot at management over it. Do you remember that? I don't specifically, but it sounds very accurate. Joe and homicide. I love homicide, but I'm sure Heck, I I can imagine it was pitched to me and I'm going, now, wait a minute. EY homicide is an ass kicker. EY is a selling baby face. He's going to fit this model much better. Well, the first episode of next year, 2023, we're going to discuss the day after this pay-per-view, the management meeting, the locker room, all the news that's coming in and out of this. But next week, Jeff, we're going to talk about the end of TNA's 2002, the birth of sex. That's right. S E X. Everybody loves Vince Russo and his sex angles. Well, here we go. It's S E X versus TNA. And, uh, we're going to talk about your first run with the TNA title, the Panda deal finally being finalized. You're traveling all over the world. I can't wait for next week, but I want to put a bow on this week. Did we discuss everything we needed to about Samoa Joe? And Scott Hall and Kevin Nash here at Turning Point 2007. I believe so. And this was a fun, uh, Karen asked, like, hey, what's the topic? And I so uh, when you just hear the title, uh, Turning Point 2007, nothing from a, you know, a headline, sensational headline, you don't really jump out at you. But when you get into the nuts and the bolts of this show and the ins and the outs there's some entertaining stuff the thanksgiving she had forgot about that but she stole she was a scene stealer kong was a scene stealer uh kurt of course we've already talked about all that but but when you get into you know and it's sad in a lot of ways that this is another example of, of scott battling his demons but it's it's also the perfect example of how much that can affect Everyone, I mean, everyone, oh man, my drink is not hurting anybody but myself. Well, BS, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it put into a, you know, a domino and me and Kev sticking our neck out, hoping this would happen, thinking with our heart instead of our head, but we got into it. We covered it. Um, it's fun going back and sometimes not so fun, but, uh, yeah, we, we covered it all. Uh, and and look, the, the other thing going into next week, you always talk about Russo's sex and all that. You know what sex stands for in this uh, scenario, right? Sports entertainment, something or other. Extreme with an X. Yeah. So. Uh, next week, though, uh, we're going to be talking about TNA 2002. But if you can't get enough of these Kevin Nash controversies, may I, make a, may I recommend adfreeshows.com tonight? For the very first time, Kevin Nash is going to do a live watch along of the Starcade 1998 main event. You remember the one it's where somebody had to end Bill Goldberg's undefeated streak. It's where somebody took the big gold belt from Goldberg. It happened to be Kevin Nash, who was also the booker. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly with that tonight, live on adfreeshows.com. And you can join in on all the fun. You've just got to join in on adfreeshows.com. And don't forget, if you're one of our top tier folks, you're going to get to have live interaction with Kevin Nash and ask him questions personally all about this. It happens tonight at adfreeshows.com. You get all of our shows early and ad free, including next week's show where we're talking about TNA in 2002. We'd love to have your interaction. Love to hear your feedback. If you're digging what we're doing, chat us up on Twitter. He is at real Jeff Jarrett. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. 
And our show is at my world pod at my world pod is where you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, but the best place to introduce a new listener to the program. It's on YouTube. My world on youtube.com is where you want to head to. That's my world on youtube.com. We've got the full episodes, but we've got lots of little, uh, bite-sized opportunities for you as well. Jeff, today was fun, man. I appreciate the peek behind the curtain on AEW business. Love talking about the controversy around the Samoa Joe, Kevin Nash stuff. And, uh, I'm excited to talk about way back when 20 years ago with TNA, who'd have thought the year's coming to the end, our 20 year anniversary. So yeah, it was, it was a fun angle. I think the reveal on the kickoff is going to be, um, it's fun to go back in those early days for me to dig into it, man. What, uh, you talk about the wild, wild West. So lots of fun, pal. Lots of fun. Hope everybody is uh, primed up for a great Christmas. We hope you'll make the uh, the choice to join us over on ad free shows tonight. It's the gift that keeps on giving Starcade 1998 with Kevin Nash tonight on adfreeshows.com. Kind of when we going live. That is an excellent call, kind sir. I almost forgot about this. Started something new over at ad free shows. We're doing the shows starting next week, Jeff. With a live studio audience. Eric oh, Bischoff and I oh, just did one yesterday. And here's the gimmick, guys. You join at adfreeshows.com. You'll get a heads up when we're recording the show live. And you can actually ask questions live here on the show. It all happens over at adfreeshows.com. No more early. How about real time? Can't get any earlier than as soon as we're doing it. The word falls out of my mouth and it's in your ears, son. That's adfreeshows.com. Yeah, we're doing it next week right here. So join us, ask questions about Vince Russo and TNA or the title run or whatever you want right here next week on my world. Peace. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together. It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? (laughs) You pay me more. Jeff Smith teaches on the sliding scale. (laughs) Those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.